Good morning. Welcome. We are so glad that every single one of you are here this morning, especially those of you that aren't part of our normal journey in women's Bible study. We hope that for each and every one of you, this is a much needed time of pause and connection as we begin our Advent season. So it was not in the original plan that I was going to be up here this morning. (laughs) Uh, Normally, this is a time in our study for us to pause from where we are uh, and hear someone other than a normal teacher um, share about what God is doing and speaking into their life during the Advent Christmas season. But thanks to the hurricanes, yes, they are still affecting us. (laughs) You all get me this morning. So at two sessions, we had to cancel and kind of finagle those uh, lessons that were scheduled for those days. And so our last lesson for the fall spilled over onto our Christmas brunch. So for those of you that are just joining us this morning, not part of our regular study, we are going to be in the book of Isaiah. And I have been surprised at how beautifully this section in particular Uh, Our lesson for this week was Isaiah 28 through 30. Um, But how beautifully it's spoken to me through this Advent season um, when I actually realized what was happening, that um, we needed to push our session to this um, Christmas brunch. I said to Susan, as I looked at the the, the, um, passage, the section before us, I was kind of overwhelmed because hidden in Isaiah 30 is some of the most beautiful words ever spoken to us in scripture, I believe. So um, I just felt like it was ordained that this is where we were supposed to be. And I have been surprised at where God has taken me in this passage. So I'm praying uh, and hoping that I'll speak to each of us. So as we begin um, digging into Isaiah 30, let's pray. Gracious God, Lord, it is a miracle God, the way that you move towards us in love and grace, and most especially through your son, Jesus Christ, it is just beyond comprehension, your compassion and your grace and your mercy for us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to attend well to these words in your holy scriptures. Lord, they hold hard words for us. They reveal parts of ourselves that are true And show our waywardness. And yet, God, over and over again, you speak over us, a God who seeks after us. So, Lord, help us hear and see the ways you seek after us, even as we long, God, to seek after you. So we pray, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would anoint this time and this place. Lord, speak through me. Thank you, God, for the gift of your word both Holy Scripture and your word, Jesus Christ. Help us to sink more deeply into the rest he offers, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you have your Bibles, don't worry if you don't. It's okay, I'm going to be reading it. We are going to be in Isaiah 30 this morning. And I'm going to read um, just two sections in Isaiah 30. I'll start with verse 1 and read through verse 5. So Isaiah 30, 1 through 5. And then I'm going to skip over to um, verse 15 and read through 18. Let us now attend to God's word. Ah, stubborn children. That's an opening. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan 
but not mine, who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame, and the shelter of the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. For though his officials are at Zon and his envoys reach Hanes, everyone comes to shame through a people that cannot profit them, that brings neither help nor profit, but shame and disgrace. And turning to verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and in rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling and you said, no, we will flee upon horses. Therefore you shall flee away and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five you shall flee till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore, therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're at that time of year where the days are shorter and the shadows are longer. Have you ever thought about the gift of shadows? I didn't really consider the gift of shade and shadows until I moved to the south. (laughs) And in my gardening, landscaping madness, I found myself out working in the summer heat, trying to work the land because it's in my bones come whatever the weather is. If I'm in the shade, it's not so bad. But man, once that sun hits you combined with the humidity, I have never, ever sweat the way I have. Not even after two half marathons that I've run. I've never sweat the way I did this summer as I was trying to clear out an area in our yard for a patio in June. Yes, I told you I'm a bit crazy when it comes to landscaping and gardening. My mom finally introduced me to the brilliant idea of a pop-up canopy tent to set up or an umbrella, just like a beach umbrella, right? Right where I was working to shade from the intensity of the sun. Now, in the Middle East, The importance of shade and shadow cannot be overestimated. Without the abundance of all the large trees that we have here in our uh, ecosystem, and with a fierce desert climate, shade from the searing sun can mean the difference between life and death there. This is why in those movies, right, you think it's so hot. Why are they wearing all those that clothing? Because the sun, if they're not, they'd rather sweat and feel the intensity of the the sun which can burn their skin and dehydrate them. Shade is essential to existence there. And drawing from this important life-sustaining image, scripture itself picks up on this idea many times when it refers to God as one who provides shade or shadow. It happens in Psalm 17, Psalm 36, Psalm 57, 
Psalm 63. Don't worry about writing all those down. You can ask me later. (laughs) Each speak of the shadow of God's wing as being a place to hide and find refuge. Like a mother bird who's spreading out her wings. This is the imagery, right? We've heard this. Gathering her chicks and having a, a safe, shaded place to protect them. Psalm 91, 1 refers to God himself, not a figurative wing, but God's very presence providing shade. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Probably a familiar verse to many of us. Will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In Psalm 121, verses 5 and 6, speak of the very clear threat of the sun and the moon that God shields his people from. We know this one well too, most of us. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Shade met the difference between life and death. Now, why all this talk of shade and shadow? (laughs) Isaiah 30 begins with a woe. My Bible translated it as ah, but the word means woe, woe to God's rebellious people who make plans, many plans, but not God's plans. Now, the context here is that Judah is under threat by the nation of Assyria who's coming ready to take over, okay? And they, Judah, decides to look to Egypt for help. So they send an envoy down to Egypt with all these riches and goods to buy their help to protect them from Assyria. Rather than trusting in God for shelter and protection, they, in verse 2, it says, take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and seek shelter in what? They seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. It's the same imagery, friends. The same imagery from the Psalms. But instead of God being their shade and shadow, they are seeking it elsewhere. They're they're exchanging God's shadow for man's shadow. And so Isaiah sadly prophesies in verse 3, Therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh Turn to your shame and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. Friends, for those of us who've been in Isaiah, isn't this the same story over and over again? It's different kings, different nations that threaten them. But every time God's people went up against fear and threats and distraction, every time, every time it seems, they choose human scheming, human plans, human security over God. And so Isaiah says in verse 39, For they are a rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. You can hear it as we read Isaiah. We've heard it, haven't we? God's frustration, his righteous indignation, his wringing his hands as he exclaims, Woe! For people who follow another plan, who seek shelter in other places besides God himself. So, 
up to this point in Isaiah, it's been judgment after judgment pronounced on God's people as we've been traveling through Isaiah. And it's no different here. If you keep reading what with the part we read where what's it going to lead to your destruction, right? Disgrace. You go to people who cannot profit and it will lead to your shame and disgrace. Yesterday, when we were setting up for the women's Bible study brunch, we, uh, Donna Meter, who's one of the teachers, said to me, I'm so tired of judgment. <laughs> I just had to laugh. I was like, oh, no. How, how many times can you teach on judgment? I'm so tired of judgment. I'm so looking forward to something else. <laughs> and it's coming. There's comfort coming. It's actually one of our lessons. God's comfort. <sighs> but lots of judgment because we are rebellious people. So are we uplifted yet? Is this what you thought for a Christmas Bible study talk, brunch talk, not a lecture. It's a talk. (laughs) But as I thought, I thought about it, friends, here's the thing. Christmas is about the serious business of God remedying the problem of our human rebelliousness. That's Christmas. Yes, it's about a sweet babe in a manger and angels and a shining star. And that's also picturesque this time of year, isn't it? But let us not forget why all of this is happening. Because instead of returning and resting and trusting in God, instead of staying in God's shade and shadow, we time and again are rebellious and unwilling. We say, no, we will not just like verse 17. Instead, we flee the very God who longs to shelter and shade us. We have a very bad habit, call it sin, of choosing human shadows, false places of protection, security, and strength over God's shadow. As I sat Sunday evening with my newly made Advent wreath, The first candle of the prophets who point the way was lit. I sat with the prophet Isaiah and this idea of living in God's shadow and the ways that we tend to run away from it to other false shadows. Something dawned on me. Something came to mind. And as it did, this is the gloriously amazing part, friend. God insists on shadowing us. God will have it no other way. When we refuse to live in God's shadow, he comes and overshadows to provide a way. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 1. Verse 26. Now we're getting into Christmas. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. The Son, the the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. That hit me. Shadow. God's shadow. When we are a stubborn, rebellious people, God forces the issue. God comes himself. God overshadows one young girl who becomes the bearer to us all of the Christ child. This child who grows into a man who invites us into his shadow to return to him and rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's Jesus' invitation into his shadow. And not only this, But Jesus deals with the shadow that hangs over us in this life, doesn't he? The shadow of sin and death. The power of Christ overshadowing defeats all other shadows. Christmas is about cheer and joy and hallelujah choruses. But all of this is because God has finally revealed and is executing on his plan to deal with all our gone astray plans in all our rebellious ways. Our rebelliousness and scheming may not be so clear-cut as sending an envoy down to Egypt for help, right? But in our own way, friends, in our own ways, don't we duck out of God's shadow? Where do you find yourself on this December 6th? We're five days into Advent, What shadow do you find yourself under? Or what shadow do you find yourself seeking? Are you burdened, weary, distracted, buzzing from the busyness? (laughs) Panicked? Maybe you feel like that line in verse 17, fleeing on horses. And thinking about it, it it made me laugh. Um, This beautiful invitation from Isaiah 30, 15. The first time I ever heard this, it was read over me by my spiritual director in a session. And tears of longing just welled up in me as I heard it. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. This beautiful invitation. But before verse 15 is even done, (laughs) it suddenly cuts in, but you are unwilling. No, we will rush off on horses how quickly we can cut that invitation off. And sometimes this season can feel that way, right? Rushing around, fast-paced, even panic. This beautiful invitation awaits, and we can refuse it and rush on by. Where do you find yourself today? I want you to take a moment, close your eyes if you want, 
very comfortable with silence and pauses. So, <laughs> And I'd love for you to just, in a moment, listen for what word or words that might name the state of your soul right now. What comes up for you? Take a breath, and as you hold that, whatever has come up for you, listen now to these words of invitation from God. And I'm going I'm to pause, and I'm going to read these twice. Listen for what invitation God has for you. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness. And in trust shall be your strength. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he rises up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he rises up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. What does that stir in you as you hear it? Is there a word that stood out? An invitation you felt? Does it reframe the word you just used to name the state of your soul? In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he rises up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Isaiah 30, these two verses, 15 and 18, it's an invitation to live in God's shadow, friends. This passage in Isaiah, I think, points the way. In returning and rest, this word return here is actually not the word for repentance that's used throughout Scripture, uh, throughout the Old Testament um, Some of your Bibles may translate it that way, but this is the only place in scripture where this particular word is used, and it's from this word shuba, which means retirement or withdrawal, from this verb shub, to turn back. And and repentance does have an idea of turning back, right? But this here, one scholar noted, the admonition to return and rest is to be taken as treaty language. 
like waving a white flag. God, I give up. I give in to your ways, not mine. Return. One commentator stated it in this rather insightful and to-the-heart-of-the-matter way. To talk about resting in the Lord, he says, while still keeping hold of one's life and direction is a contradiction in terms. To talk about resting in the Lord while still keeping hold of one's life and direction is a contradiction in terms. The invitation is to surrender, to let go, and come back to God and rest in his shadow. The message translates this verse this way. Your salvation requires that you turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourself. (laughs) Eugene Peterson has a way of just naming it, putting it in very clear terms. Stop your silly efforts to save yourself. And then it continues, your strength will come from settling down in complete dependence on me, the very thing you've been unwilling to do. Settling down in complete dependence on me. This is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of in quietness and trust. Quietness and trust. And as you think about this Annunciation story with Mary, doesn't she exemplify that? I mean, she asked some questions for clarification. How is this going to happen? But then, what's her response? Let it be to me as you have said. Quietness and trust. Complete dependence. A literal giving over of her very body and her life and her future. And this encounter with the angel and Mary reveals another truth. God's shadow is not just protection, it's power, friends. It's power. In quietness and trust will be your strength, your power. Through the power of God's spirit, when we settle down into a willingness to lean into him, we are strengthened and empowered. In the end, though, whether we settle down and return or we flee off on horses, and we've both, we've all done both at times, right? We get this therefore. And it's not what you'd expect. Notice what follows the running off. We've run off, and then what is God's response? Therefore, God waits, not with judgment, not with doom. God waits to be gracious. Gracious. This word gracious means to show favor. The angel, when greeting Mary, what name does he give her? Oh, favored one. It's from this verb uh, in the, the Greek, charis, grace. It literally means you are favored with grace. And then the angel reminds her, when she's a little bit unsure about this greeting, he says, no, 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 you have found favor with God. The angel says it to Mary, but he says it over each and every one of you, dear friends. Sisters in Christ, each and every one of you are favored ones. One whom God looks at with favor, whom he moves toward in graciousness 
and in compassion and in mercy. And God is relentless about it. He will wait. He will rise up to show compassion, right? Get off his throne and do something. And what does he do? He rises up so he can come down. Utterly amazing when you think about it. He longs to overshadow us, to hide us in the shade of his protection and his rest and his security. Sisters in Christ, we have two and a half more weeks leading up to Christmas. Two and a half more weeks of this Advent season. How is God waiting to be gracious to you in this Advent? Where in your life do you feel like you need his graciousness? Where do you need feel the need to be favored? How is God inviting you into quietness and rest? Is there a specific way God might be inviting you to return and rest? I invite you this Advent season to sit in this section in Isaiah, you have this card you can take with you to dwell there a bit and listen more deeply on your own to God's invitation from Isaiah 30, 15, and 18. And sit with the Annunciation story in Mary. God is inviting us to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. He is inviting us to abide in the shadow of the Almighty Think about that. When you think about other shadows you might want to run to, think about that phrase, the shadow of the Almighty. It's a shadow that looks an awful lot like a cradle and a cross. Friends, let us pray. God, we cannot fathom your fervor and love for us. We know that these woes that we see in scripture, this frustration on your part is simply because you long for us to come home and to abide in your safe place, in the safety of your covering in your shadow. God, I pray specifically in this season where all around us, all around us speaks to this amazing act of God, whether whether people know it or not, whether the commercials and the songs and the stores that we go to know it or not, they proclaim the truth of Christmas. This business of God remedying the problem of our rebelliousness, you coming down to be with us, to bring us back to yourself. So God, I pray that you would so persistently and gently remind us, come home, rest, return and rest. Thank you that you are a God who never, ever gives up on us. Those places where we seek so many other things for security, Please, God, gently uncover our waywardness and our rebelliousness and lead us, God, back to your shadow and shade.
the only safe place there is in this life. And thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of being your people. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.